Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Wasn't that they forgot that Jehovah Yahweh was the God of Israel? It was that God's law had no grip on their life. It had no hold over them. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It says they did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. So they also failed to show kindness to the family of Jerob Baal. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and As Pastor Ed continues his teaching series through the book of Judges, we'll be learning many lessons on what not to do by looking at Israel's poor example. All throughout this book, we will hear how the children of Israel only did what was right in their own eyes. For you and I today, we also can slip into this dangerous mindset and behavior. If the Word of God isn't continually present in our hearts and minds, we too can begin to walk according to our own fleshful desires. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, the hand of divine retribution. Building in faith. Open your Bibles to the book of Judges. We're going to be reading from the end verses of chapter 8 and then from the end verses of chapter Nine. I'm bookending the sermon because chapter nine is really what we're going to talk about. And we're going to meet a man by the name of Abimelech. Abimelech was one of Gideon's sons, but he didn't have the right that the other sons had because he was a son of a concubine. And he was always on the outside of things. He didn't feel like he was a part of things. And you could see him grasping for power, grasping to become recognized. The title of the message this morning is The Hand of Divine Retribution. Because when we involve ourselves in unrighteous ambition, God is the one who checks that. And our culture, its soil is just made for that. Now, ambition is not wrong. You need to have some ambition. But unrighteous ambition is very, very different. And it crosses the line. And in God's economy, it's judged. Judges chapter 8, verses 30 to 35. He had 70 sons. It's referring to Gideon of his own. For he had many wives. He sort of had a harem. Remember we said that Gideon was living like a king, even though he didn't accept the title of king. In actuality, his lifestyle was like a king. His concubine who lived in Shechem, Shechem was a very significant city, and this concubine lived there. She wasn't a part of the harem. Also bore him a son whom he named Abimelech. Gideon, son of Joash, died at a good old age, and he was buried in the tomb of his father, Joash in Orpha, of the Abersrites. No sooner had Gideon died than the Israelites 
again prostituted themselves to the Baals. They set up Baal, Bereth, as their God, and did not remember the Lord their God. Now, I just want to draw your attention to that phrase, did not remember the Lord their God. Wasn't that they forgot that Jehovah, Yahweh, was the God of Israel. It was that God's law had no grip on their life. It had no hold over them. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It says, they did not remember the Lord their God who had rescued them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. So they also failed to show kindness to the family of Jerobbaal, that is Gideon. That's another name for Gideon. For all the good things he had done for them. So they forget God and they fail to show kindness and remember what Gideon had done for them. That's how that chapter ends. And then it begins with Abimelech, his going after the kingship. And then chapter nine ends, thus God repaid the wickedness that Abimelech had done to his father by murdering his 70 brothers. God also made the men of Shechem pay for all their wickedness. The curse of Jotham, the son of Jeroboam, that's Gideon, came on them. So you see, God is judging Abimelech, judging the people of Shechem, and all of the events that precede it, with all the intrigue and all the things that happen, God is watching, and he is involved in those things. If you remember the play by Shakespeare, Macbeth. In Macbeth, he aspires to be king, and he plans with his wife conspiring with him, and really she has a lust for power, and she's pushing her husband so that he is going to become king. And then there's this prophecy given by these witches, and they said, someday you're gonna be king, and so he grabs a hold of that, his wife, Lady Macbeth, grabs a hold of that, and they conspire to unrighteous ambition. It goes outside the moral bounds of what's right and wrong. And in the play, you see this downward spiral internally in the life of Macbeth and Lady Macbeth as guilt, as their character disintegrates and they become more and more evil in so many ways. That's the story, that's the reflection of Abimelech. You know, he's the first king of Israel. Now, not the whole nation, particularly probably the central part, especially the city of Shechem, which was a city filled with historical significance. It might be like our Gettysburg. It was a place where Abraham first went in the promised land and he heard God speak to him. It was the place where Jacob cleansed his house of idols. It was a place where Joshua gathered the people together and they renewed their covenant with God in Joshua chapter 24 before he dies. It had tremendous significance to the people. And there, Abimelech is going to have himself anointed king in that historical community and in that official way, God sees it. And he's gotten there and he's taken that position through unrighteous ambition. I think of Longfellow's poem. Though the mills of God grind slowly, yet they grind exceeding small. 
Though with patience he stands waiting, with exactness grinds he all. See, God watches the events. He's involved in retribution. He's involved in the consequences to disobedience. He's involved even when we're not aware. Had we not had the biblical narrator's perspective, God's divine insight into the situation, we would not really fully understand all the events that happened. I want you to see, first of all, their general characteristics of those who are driven by unrighteous ambition. You see, uh, it starts in verse six where they have this coronation, it's this significant pillar, this tree, and they crown Abimelech king. But how did he get there? Well, in verses one to three, he uses relationships to achieve his personal ambition. Abimelech, he's the son of Gideon, went to his mother's brother in Shechem, they're his uncles, said to them and all the mother's clan, ask all the citizens of Shechem, which is better for you to have all 70 of Jeroboam's sons rule over you, or just one man? Remember, I'm your flesh and blood. When the brothers repeated all this to the citizens of Shechem, they were inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, he's our brother. So what he does is he uses the disadvantage because his mother was from Shechem. There were relationships there. And he's going to say, listen, I'm one of you. I'm closer to you. He used the relationships that he had there to get what he wanted. Sometimes people form friendships and relationships for the wrong motives, for motives that are impure and not right. How many times people get close to people with money or power, whether it's politics, whether it's religion, whether it's at the job, and their intent is to have an in with the boss, their intent is to have an in with this political leader so that they can push their agenda. Now that's life here in America. It's a reflection of the way our culture functions. But Christians are to be very different in how we handle ourselves and how we live in this present world. Our attitude can't be like the culture that we live in. And so you see he, he says, listen, we have a blood relationship. We're relatives here. And he wants to advance his personal agenda of one day being the king. His father lived like a king. His mother named Abimelech, Abimelech, which means my father's a king. Now, the Shechemites would have felt, that's not a bad idea. He's close to us. We'll have an in with him. And besides, if we support him, guess what happens? He owes us. We helped him get that position. Doesn't that sound like special interest groups? Special interest groups in the political arena. Imagine a politician being elected and said, listen, I know you supported me. I know you were the greatest fundraisers for me, but this is not good for the nation. It's not good for the state. No. So many are operating on the wrong basis and our nation and our culture is so inbred with this that we fail to see it and that we fail to respond against it. How the question that they should have asked 
is this man God's appointed king? Is this the one that God has chosen? Not as for their selfish motives or his selfish motives. And that's true whether you work at a job, whether you're in the church, whether you are involved in politics. The relationships that we have with one another and with people should be out of a pure heart. We should seek to honor God in all that we do. You may say, well, pastor, that's idealistic. Man, maybe it's idealistic, but it's biblical. We should have this sense of pleasing the Lord in how we live out our lives. Relationships that are built on self-centered motives can be very destructive. See, when evil intentions or wrong intentions unite us, what will happen is that it will divide us eventually. Thieves rob from each other. So if your friends are thieves and you're hanging out with them, don't be surprised if they rob you. And so what happens is you could see that evil is not cohesive, but righteousness is, goodness is, character is. Then something else in Abimelech, he he uses his relationships, he uses the fact that he has relatives there, he says, anoint me king, then he does something else. He uses assassination to achieve his personal ambition. What he does is they take uh, money from the temple in verses four to five, uh, 70 shekels of silver. He hires some reckless men, some men who are going to do what he wants them to do, and they actually go to his father's town, Orpha, where his brothers live. And he takes those brothers, and one by one, he murders them on a stone. Now, I don't know if that was the altar that Gideon had built, but he butchers them. How do you butcher your brothers one after another after another? He didn't want any rival. He didn't want anyone competing with him. Now, in our culture, you're not going to see politicians do that. But wouldn't it be something to see a politician speak well of the man he's running against? No, they magnify their flaws, and they minimize their opponent's strengths, and they ignore their own flaws, and they magnify themselves. What happens in the culture around us seeps into the culture we live in. And we begin, without even knowing it, taking on those type of characteristics. So we, so willingly, if we want to achieve something, we sometimes minimize others. We assassinate their character. We may try and promote ourselves. And we do things like that. We have to march to a different drumbeat. We have to live with a sense that God sees and God knows. And so that's what's happening here. Could you picture a a politician standing up before the people and say, you know, my predecessor did a great job. And if it wasn't for him, our economy wouldn't be as good. And partly the reason I'm successful is because of what he did. No, they only think about what they didn't do right or they only put the person that they followed in the worst light. I I pray that we would look at what's happening within our nation and our culture, all those things around us, and we would look at it through a biblical lens. 
that we wouldn't be involved in the constant battle and criticism, all these things that go on, that we would recognize that we're accountable to God. See, what's happening in Abimelech, he's gonna become king no matter what. If he has to assassinate his own father's children, this is, must be this resentment in his heart towards his father, this disrespect towards his father. Uh, there is this resentment towards his brothers because he was the son of a concubine. They were the son of the Gideon's wives. And you could see this motivation. Someone has said, Christians frequently show more skill using the critical knife than the tender, grateful thanks to parents, pastors, mentors, friends, or educators who have labored to lead them in the grace and the wisdom of God. So here's Abimelech, and he is going to do whatever he can to achieve his ambitions. God help us to have holy ambitions, to have pure motives, not to look at using people for our own benefit, and not to fall into being used. Notice the parable now of divine retribution. There's a man of God, he's Jotham, he's one of the youngest of Gideon's sons, he escapes, he goes to a mountain, Mount Gerizim, he's going to the place where they pronounced blessing. On the other mount, they pronounced it like it was an amen, it was a chorus going back and forth when historically they were seeking the blessing of the Lord at Shechem. And he, he speaks so that the whole town can hear. They're partying, they're celebrating. And then he, he gives this parable. At the end of the parable, he says, if you have acted honorably and in good faith toward Gideon and his descendants today, then may you find joy in Abimelech and may he find joy in you. But if you have not acted in good faith, then may fire come out from Abimelech and devour the leading citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo and may fire come out of the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo and devour Abimelech. He gives this parable then. It's really the first parable of scripture. Uh, some call it a fable. It, it can be seen as a parable as well. He gives this parable about the trees gathering together and they wanna make a king. And so I'll, I'll read to you some of the verses. Uh, One day, the trees went out to anoint a king for themselves. They said to the olive tree, be our king. But the olive tree answered, should I give up my oil by which both gods and men are honored to hold sway over the trees? The next, the trees said to the fig tree, come be our king. But the fig tree replied, should I give up my fruit so good and sweet to hold sway over the trees? Then the tree said to the vine, come and be our king. And the vine answered, should I give up the, my wine, which cheers both gods and men to hold sway over the trees? Finally, all the trees said to the thorn bush, that's a bramble bush, come and be our king. The thorn bush said to the trees, if you really want to anoint me king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. Now, a thorn bush or a bramble weed would have been maybe a foot, two feet high. Could you picture all these trees bowing down, getting shade there? So what Jotham is doing is, is he's actually saying, it's ridiculous. A bramble bush, a, a thorn bush becoming king? It's absolutely ludicrous. It doesn't make sense. Sometimes I felt that way about some politicians. <laughs> I mean, when you think of some of the people in leadership, you think of Hitler, Mussolini, you think of Stalin. 
Think of sometimes the most unqualified people. And it's interesting. These others said, no, we're bearing fruit. We're doing what we should do. We know what we're called. We're called to bear figs. We're called to make oil. We're called to bear wine. Knowing your purpose, knowing your place, knowing what God has for you. And that's what he's saying to the people. And he says, now, if you treated Gideon well, and they didn't, they failed to remember what they were enjoying was from the past, the victory that Gideon had over the Midianites. But yet they failed to honor his family. They killed all of his sons, except for one. It's so... When you see how ungrateful sometimes we are, it's because of a lack of relationship with God. People forget God, and it impacts their relationship with one another. When people honor God, it impacts their relationship with one another. Our relationship with God impacts our relationship with people. And here's what's happening. He pronounces this curse. He said, may fire consume Shechem, and consume Abimelech if you have done wrong. God has set laws up in nature that if we violate those laws, there are consequences. Can't escape it. You can't get around it. They happen. There's a domino effect. No, we're not always aware of why things happen. And if I think God would draw aside the curtain and we could see behind the scenes, we would see God working. Look at the unfolding of divine retribution. Here's the divine commentator, verses 23 to 24. The unfolding of divine retribution against unrighteous ambition. Ambition that Macbeth, Lady Macbeth, that Abimelech, that's so prevalent in our culture. God sent a spirit that stirred up trouble between Abimelech and the leading cities of Shechem, and they revolted. Now, the NIV says... God said, an evil spirit. And I think the English Standard Version translates it that way. God uses evil to punish evil. So God allows this conflict to happen. And the men of Shechem actually become angry with Abimelech. It says, God was punishing Abimelech for murdering Gideon's 70 sons. And the citizens of Shechem for supporting him in the treachery of murdering his brothers. So these people who are together and now are against each other, how often that happens when the motivations that bring people together are wrong motivations, those motivations actually backfire and consume them. And here's what's happening in evil destroys evil. The fire from Shechem, uh, that's all the way from verse 25 to 29. The citizens of Shechem set an ambush for Abimelech on the hilltops and robbed everyone who passed by the way. So his administration would look terrible. But then also they were trying to hurt Abimelech. Someone warned Abimelech about their plot. One day Gael, he is someone who comes to Shechem, son of Ebed, moved to Shechem with his brothers and gained confidence of the leading citizens of Shechem. During the annual harvest festival at Shechem, Held in the temple of the local God, the wine flowed freely. And everyone began to curse Abimelech. This is Abimelech's king three years. They have this party at Shechem, and they're all beginning to curse Abimelech, saying things about him. Now, you could see this prophecy is coming to pass. This word of judgment is coming to pass. 
Women in ministry is a topic that has a variety of opinions surrounding it. The book of Judges highlights a particular woman who is not only a mighty warrior, but a wise leader in the nation of Israel. Through this study, Pastor Ed will share with us the important role that women play in the body of Christ. And this is only one important truth we'll learn as we study the book of Judges. To learn more about Building in Faith, or to get a free copy of today's teaching, simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. That's buildinginfaithradio.com. Although Building in Faith is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching verse by verse through the book of Judges, right here on Building in Faith. Your word restores.